What is going on, Fantasy Alarm family? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells and Ryan Hallam, and it's time for another family meetup. It's a Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Guys, what is going on? It has been a weirdo week when it comes to sports. Where can we go? We go Stanley Cup, Eastern Conference Finals. We go NBA Finals. Football looming as always, but really starting with baseball that's in gear. I mean, a few questionable things happening. I was actually on the air, and I wanted to get your guys' take if you've ever seen this before. Have you ever seen a pitcher scratched and then unscratched? Because earlier this week, Tarek Skubal from the Tigers was scratched due to inclement weather issues going on. I believe they were in Pittsburgh. And all of a sudden, he was scratched. Prop was great. I believe there was a strikeout prop on DraftKings Sportsbook at about six and a half. Very juicy. I know our guy Howard Bender was on it. Then he was scratched because of the weather issues and that could potentially being a wasted start. So Willie Peralta was going to be the fall guy. And then they decide to unscratch him. And after a delay, start the guy. Sales, have you ever seen anything like this? No, that's that's pretty weird. Um, I mean, it's... It would be less shocking if he started through one inning, then they had a delay, and then he didn't come back out. That's reasonably common, depending on the length of the delay. I have seen guys who have started an inning or two and then come back out after, like, a three-hour delay to pitch some more, which pretty dangerous in my opinion. But I've never seen a guy get scratched and then unscratched, and the game basically starts relatively – like, they hadn't even started playing – before the delay happened. So that was that was pretty weird. That was pretty weird. What about you, Ryan? What did you think of that? I mean, I, I just feel like this whole season has been a lot of strange things. Like, it's, it seems like not every day, but like every week there's some crazy thing that we've never seen before. Or, or And the number of guys who are coming out of the minors is just – and called up and put back. It's just – it's so – this whole baseball season has been a whirlwind, and we're only two months in. Yeah, and we got the robo-up discussion, too. Did you see that there, Fensty? Oh, dude. Dylan Cease you... getting absolutely just that was... ripped off on a dead middle curveball. That was awful. <laughs> like, it could not <laughs> be any more dead middle of the strike zone if it tried. And everybody, including the batter, was like, really? That's a, that's a ball? Um, okay, I don't think so, but. Yeah, I love when they they bring up the strike zone on the screen. And when it's one of those, it's usually, like, still kind of close to, like, the corner. That thing was (laughs) not dead center. I never saw a questionable call, like, land there on that little graphic. (laughs) Yeah, it was. You mentioned Cease, by the way. Cease, giving up six runs, none of them being earned. Gotta love that if you're a fantasy player. Yeah, I mean, you gotta love that. I mean, that's another reason why you don't want to look at ERA fully, because, like, it does come down to fielding and when guys screw up on the team. And so if you're on a bad fielding team, you might get benefit in ERA, even though he's given up like twice as many runs as getting counted. But all of that being said, that's not the weirdest thing that happened with the White Sox this week. <laughs> and why does Tony LaRusso still have a job? I mean, literally, why was he not fired in the middle of that game? For anybody that did not see, the Dodgers were up by two runs. Okay, seven to five. There's two outs. It's like in the fifth or sixth inning. Freddie Freeman's on base. They have Trey Turner in a one-two count with two outs. 
Tony La Russa decides to intentionally walk Trey Turner to get to the lefty, Max Muncy, because there's a lefty pitcher on the mound. And Max Muncy thanks him by jacking a three-run shot. You literally only needed Trey Turner to swing and miss once, and you're out of the inning. Instead, you gave up three runs you didn't have to give up because you're a moron. And then to question the press afterwards, like, who asked him about it, and he goes, is that a real question? <laughs> yes! <laughs> and his response was, have you seen Trey Turner's batting average with two strikes? Yeah, career, he's a two fifty batter with two strikes. That's pretty decent. But Max Muncy also has reverse splits against lefties. So, like, what, what are we doing? He's 77. I feel like he always did, like, weird stuff. It just doesn't never work anymore. Like, he was, he always, like, hit the pitcher ace and did all kinds of wacky stuff. And that time he fell asleep drunk at the red light. So he's always kind of done weird stuff. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, DUI is super weird. <laughs> I never saw anybody fall asleep with their foot on the brake. That was a new one. But I I was just throwing that in for fun. Uh, Yeah, it's not working anymore. I I can't imagine he makes the season there. Three games under 500. I know they've had a ton of injuries, and Jimenez just got pulled off his his rehab assignment, but they're a better team than three games under 500. I I don't think he'll – if he lasts the season, it's because his name is Tony La Russa. That's the only reason. Like, I don't even know why he was hired in the first place. The previous guy got him to the playoffs. I don't know. Like, very strange. Like, I, you're in a winnable division. Yeah. The and it's not like, geez. you know, you're bringing in a, a manager because, you know, you put butts in the seats like you do. Nobody's coming to the ball game to see the manager. So, like, I, I don't know. By the way, see what the Twins did last night to Garrett Cole. You mentioned the AL Central. Yeah. Wow. It was nuts. See, Cole, three batters, three home runs. Got yeah, seven home. pitches. <laughs> Seven pitches into the game, he was down by three overs. Um, and then having Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks as the two guys that bailed the Yankees out, like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> right. I, I was talking to Ronis about it because it's like, look, I don't want to discredit the Twins. They're way above 500. And I was looking this up last night. They are a top six hitting team by average. So we can't look. It's still it's Garrett Cole because I think the debate was well, this was someone that was highly recommended to be started in DFS. Well, was was that a product of the slate? Because the slates on Thursday, especially the night slates, we're recording this on Friday. The slates on Thursday for baseball for night tend to be very small. But still, with Garrett Cole, I mean, is it just that he has the talent? You think that he's the best pitcher, and even against better teams, that he can overcome it because. The Twins were still at top. They're hitting over 250 as a team. Yeah, I, I think anytime Garrett Cole's on the slate, he's at least under consideration for DFS. I mean, and he's not going – I've always said this. The guy starts 30 to 35 times. Cy Young really never happens anymore. You win 20 games. So nope. that leaves you, you know, a lot of starts that are – I mean, some of them you're, you're good and you don't get wins, but – Guys get touched up sometimes. It's just the the way baseball is. He's not going to be good thirty five times. So t- last night happened to be one of them. He's good most of the time. I, the Twins are like you're saying are a pretty good offense, but it's not like they're oh my god, stay away from them in DFS kind of team. Yeah, agreed. I mean, bad nights happen. The dude is human. He's been pretty good this year, despite all the talk about how the new ball was going to affect him with the you know lack of sticky stuff and all that. 
He's been good. He's been the best part of that Yankees pitching staff, which has actually been pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. Almost. Not not better than Nestor. Well. Our guy Nestor, who we won't say what we talked about last yeah, week. Yeah, don't say yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you really going to say that? I thought I mean, about Nestor, it. Yeah, speaking of the Twins, by the way. Um, he got rocked last time out, too. He did. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it happens. Sometimes these guys have off days and – how are the Yankees going to win the World Series? Honestly, they've oh, they got the pitching, what, their bullpen? I mean, they've got the pitching. They've got the hitting. I, I, they really will have to get half injured, I feel like, for them not to win the World Series. I, I don't think so. I don't think they win. I don't either. I, I, Most I don't, of their I runs come from homers. When you get to the postseason, those guys, those pitchers don't give up home runs. And these pitchers can't pitch this well all the whole year. I mean, they're in a ridiculous tear right now. It's got to come back to Earthstone. They're solid, but they're not this good. Yeah. I, it's, you've got to have a good mix. Do you have to hit home runs to win in the postseason? Yes. But do you also have to be able to play small ball and string hits together and capitalize on weird breaks? Yeah, absolutely. Those are the teams that win. So while I think they're probably right now the best team in the AL – Easily, without any question, do I think that they ultimately win the World Series? I'm not so sure about that. I still have questions about their rotation. Um, still have questions about their bullpen and what it looks like without Chad Green back there, who's down for the rest of the year. Um, and their offense. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton's been great, but he also got injured. Does Aaron Judge keep this up the whole year? I don't know. DJ LeMahieu has been up and down the last three years in in New York. Um, so yeah, I they're definitely on the right on the right path right now. The AL is probably the best spot for them to come out of, but I don't think that they win the World Series. I'll say if they do, I won't be surprised. But I don't know. I don't, yeah. that, it's not a foregone conclusion at on June tenth. Right. No, we could legitimately have, by the way, a New York, New York World Series. Oh, yeah. We could, but I was just about to say, if you look in the NL East, the Braves and Phillies playing a lot better. Phillies get rid of Girardi, and here they come. They're playing great. They're hitting the ball nicely. I know They still can't play defense. I know it's not translating the same for the Angels necessarily, but, you know, it's still they're playing better, and the Braves have been hitting better. Yeah, I mean, you have to expect the Braves to be there in the end. I think they're just the, – if they get their rotation figured out a little bit more, I think they're there for the um, long haul. Look, the Mets need DeGrom and Scherzer back. Since De, since Scherzer went down, Chris Bassett, who's been their next best pitcher, has a 7.5 ERA since Scherzer went down. So, you know, they, they need that depth in that rotation, especially with DeGrom and Scherzer, two of the best three pitchers in baseball probably. Um, but if they get them back and that offense keeps rolling, it could be a New York-New York World Series. Happened in 2000. I was there for one of the games. I was there for game three, the one game that the Mets won. And then in 2015, I was there for the one game the Mets won in the World Series again. And so, yeah, you're good. You're a good luck charm. Yeah, yeah I just, you know, it's <laughs> whatever. You, they lose the series. It's heartbreaking. Guys, I want to switch it over to football, though. I want to talk about this situation because I was asked an interesting question about best ball. And in relation, we could talk about Cooper Cup 
getting his three-year extension. Also, oh, Hunter Renfro got paid. Yeah, did he? Was that thirty-two oh, yeah, million? Yeah. Hunter Renfro got a thirty-two million dollar deal too. Wow, look at that! Damn, that's pretty. All that money going around to the top athletes. So Cooper Cup signing for over a hundred and ten million dollars, and with that. You know, we start to think about it from our world, the fantasy world. And something that we talked about on this podcast for fantasy football is that first round, at least in redraft leagues, in my opinion, is that it will be a lot more divided between running backs and wide receivers. I'm in the midst of a best ball draft right now with a few other big time fantasy obsessed fans and, and everything. We even got a, the guru, John Hansen, is in there from Fantasy Points and a few of them. And with that, being asked about whether or not in the first round, because wide receivers, some of the elite ones are going to be pushed up even more, whether or not it makes me feel like I have to take a wide receiver in that first round or take a risk on a running back who might be banged up coming into this year or has been hurt the last few years. And I didn't feel that pressure to take the wide receiver. Cooper Cup is going to command a Second, probably max third overall pick in casual leagues. I can't really see him after what we saw last year. Can't really see him being pushed down even when we get into August. I don't know where you guys stand if you have that second overall pick. Jonathan Taylor off the board and General Ryan. Where do you stand on taking Cooper Cup? When would you like to draft him? I am still going, based again, still the, the landscape of running backs hasn't changed. We're still in a mode of there aren't very many reliable ones. So I am probably going to continue to take a, a running back in the first round. Uh, I'm, if second overall, I'm taking Derrick Henry. Uh, I, I just think that running back is harder to come by and he's still one of the safer bets on the board. So I, I'm taking Taylor and Henry before cup for sure. Yeah, I would, I would agree. A, Look, the guy got paid. Do big contracts in football affect the guys the way that big contracts in baseball do? I don't think so. Um, I'm way more leery of taking a guy signing a big contract in baseball than football. Um, example one is like Francisco Lindor last year. Um, so I don't think he, I don't think the money changes him. Right. The problem is that's a career year. There's no way he replicates what we saw last year. There's there's just not. Some of those years just happen. They get in a rhythm and nothing you can do to stop it. I don't think that happens. So I'm not going to pay draft capital for a career year that's not going to happen again. Right. Is he still probably going to be the best wide receiver in football? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. There's about five other dudes that, that could compete for that. So I'm going to take either Derrick Henry. I may toss Joe Mixon in that mix that high. Um, I like what the Bengals have done with their reformed offensive line there. Um, and also, you know, rejiggering the offense a little bit. That guy's consistent. So I would go either Henry or Mixon at number two. If Taylor's off the board, I'm not taking a wide receiver that high. I don't see myself doing it either. In this particular draft that I'm in, in this best ball draft, I actually decided to wait a little bit on taking wide receiver, and then I had to kind of start to go after them a little bit more aggressively. 
And a couple of the wide receivers I drafted early wanted to get your take on, on these two guys. Number one, T. Higgins. And if I, I wanted to attach myself, didn't think I would get Burrow in this draft, seeing him go in that sixth to seventh round area. But I wanted to attach myself to a guy who completed over 70% of his passes last year, one of the most, if not the most accurate quarterback. And so Chase going as high as he went, I still felt that T. Higgins, and I know how much you love mixing their cells, I still felt like T. Higgins is going to be targeted a good amount in this offense. So as someone who waited a little bit more uh, longer on rather on drafting wide receivers, I ended up going two consecutive rounds, T. Higgins, and then going after Terry McLaurin after who I'm not worried about his contract situation. Everything that you read here in DC is that everything is going to get done. So I'm still thinking he's going to play. And being that he's had the quarterback play that he's had over the last couple of years, why can't he get a thousand yards receiving once again? So it seems like for me, rather than going high upside and waiting even more and committing more to the running back third and fourth round in that particular draft, I feel safe at least with Higgins and McLaurin because I feel like I know what I'm going to get with them. Yeah. They're also high target guys. Right. I think there's a chance that T. Higgins actually sees more targets than Jamar Chase this year. I think that Jamar Chase's game is he might produce more touchdowns and more yards because he's a big play guy. But I think Higgins actually gets more targets in general than Chase this year. Um, And so in terms of if you're in best ball, it's odds are it's a PPR format. I want the guy who gets the most targets. Um, So, yeah, I have no problem with going McLaurin and Higgins. Look, wide receiver's deep. It's really, really deep. And I've never been a guy that subscribes to you have to have a top five wide receiver to compete in a league. I, I, it's just so deep that you can make ground up on any given week with any given any given player. And what happens if your top five wide receiver gets injured like DeAndre Hopkins or just doesn't produce touchdowns like DeAndre Hopkins? Um, <laughs> then you're just getting yardage and you can get yardage anywhere without having to give up the draft capital it takes to get a top five wideout. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I, I, I'm a big T, T. Higgins fan, and you definitely it's great if you can come out of your draft with some part of Cincinnati. I mean, obviously they're going to have a very good offense again. Uh, you know, pretty much everyone's coming back. Uh, so or at least, the, you know, the not C.J. Uzoma, but whatever. That's not a, a huge loss to the offense. Um so yeah, I mean they're they're a high scoring offense. You come away with any part of that is is always a good thing. You're right about wide receiver cells. It is very deep, and you can even look at this rookie class as a good amount of them are going right there in that eighth, ninth, and even tenth round area. We're not just talking about Drake London. We're talking about even the Garrett Wilsons of the world, Christian Watson, who has a very good chance at putting up some high production numbers in this offense for the Packers. There are just a lot of dots and even. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is going way down the board. And I don't understand why he's not being drafted higher. He's the number one wide receiver in Kansas City's offense, which loves to pass, right? It's Travis Kelsey and a wideout that get over 100 targets every year. So why can't Juju be that guy? It's a good question. That is a good question, why he's going so late. Even how about this one? And I know he's coming off of an injury, but we've seen this guy get it done. Robert Woods is going pretty late as well. That was someone I wanted to ask about. And what are your guys' thoughts on Allen Robinson? 
going he was so horrible last year but now going to the Rams it's a totally different situation obviously Matthew Stafford is, is one of the best quarterbacks are we rolling back with Allen Robinson for he broke our hearts last year yeah I am I am big time and actually it's funny the third wide receiver I took in this best ball draft Allen Robinson so it's did, I we, am, or did we not see what the Rams did with three wide receivers on the field last year like I mean even if he's a third wideout, even if he's the slot guy, still going to get ball you. Matthew Stafford throws it all over the damn field. Uh, I definitely think yeah. he's the second. I mean, he's not going to be third to Jefferson. No, but I mean, right. in Tennessee. Right. So. I'm just saying, even if he's the third. Gotcha. Even gotcha. if there's still enough volume, and I'm not concerned about it. Yeah, but who else is there? In Tennessee, I mean, you've got Burks there who they drafted, but you've got Robert Woods. And again, I know he's coming off of an injury, but with where we can draft him, we can take that kind of risk and be okay with it. If, let's say, three games in, he blows out his knee because all the reports I'm seeing are that he should be good to go by August and September. Yeah, I'm I'm not that concerned about Robert Woods' knee. I mean, ACLs are pretty common things now i mean hell we saw cam Akers come back five and a half months after tearing an achilles um right so i don't have and clearly robert woods has got to be number one in that pecking order on the outside for tennessee um and by the way even with cooper cup there in la robert woods was seeing a whole hell of a lot of targets when healthy and cooper cup was still a pretty good now not the career year but he was still pretty good so I don't see why people are shying away from from, from I feel like I feel like people have like fell out of love with, with Tannehill and I'm not really sure why. Like I, I feel like that's the thing. Uh, AJ Brown got traded and then all of a sudden the entire Tennessee offense was looked at completely differently. And I don't know if people forgot the woods went there. Uh, I still think that Tannehill's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, you know, he's not asked to do a ton. Obviously, we talked about Derrick Henry doing the most of it. He might throw it thirty times. But he's pretty damn efficient with those with the throws that he makes. So I'm I'm not sure. I don't. Yeah, Woods is going like the 35th or 40th wide receiver off the board. I think that's amazing. I mean, Tennessee I mean, was the number one seed in the AFC when even after Derrick Henry got injured. I'm with you. Listen, I mean, we talk, we talk about whether or not we're going to take a risk in the first round on a guy like Christian McCaffrey but who's had now multiple years of getting hurt. But meanwhile, with a guy like Robert Woods who you can draft in, what, that seventh round, mid-late seventh round, that can end up being your third or fourth receiver. And for a lot of casual players who play in two wide receiver starting leagues, that could very well be a bench option right there. It's a great risk to take. Yeah, not to mention their Tennessee's uh, division still sucks defensively aside from, I mean, the Colts are still pretty good, but you can pass on the Colts. You can light the Texans up like, like flipping Christmas every single weekend. And Jacksonville spent four hundred million dollars to overhaul a roster that still sucks. So, like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see the the downside to taking Robert Woods where he's going. Ryan, I'll give you a name. Ryan, how about this one for you, Michael Thomas? I feel like we may have brought him up a few podcasts ago, but another guy injured, but with a quarterback who really likes to throw. So what are your thoughts? Because when it comes to the draft capital, Michael Thomas, you are looking at that Robert Woods area once again. 
I t- give me Robert Woods over Michael Thomas. It's just been a long time since he's been on the field. Uh, he, a couple of his injuries, I feel like he wasn't supposed to miss that much time, and then he just kept missing time. I don't know what's going on with the Saints this year. Is Winston going to be good enough? What's with no Sean Payton? What's going on with Alvin Kamara? Just like there's just so many questions with the Saints offense yeah. uh, that I I would rather have a guy like Woods, uh, Brandon Cooks, Marquise Brown. Like it, it's just a little too much risk for me for for Michael Thomas. I'm happy to be wrong with him this year and kind of shy away unless the value is really good. Didn't I see a report that Michael Thomas was saying he wasn't sure if he'd be ready? No, I didn't see that. But God, I wouldn't be surprised. I thought I saw a report somewhere on Twitter like a week ago that Michael Thomas was saying he wouldn't be ready, and somebody quote tweeted it and said he just doesn't want to play in New Orleans. Like, oh, that's possible. At hey, this I, point, I drafted Jarvis Landry in the same best ball draft. So, <laughs> I mean, at, at this point, let me see if I can find the the tweet that I was. By the way, while you're finding that, Ryan, I'm just going to put this in perspective. Robert Woods in high stakes leagues in like the NFFC league since May twentieth. Has been his ADP 106. Yeah, I'm doing that all day long, all day, all night, twice on Sunday. Ten dollars in my auctions for him sold. Absolutely, every time. Yep. Yeah, uh, Dennis Allen of the Saints says that Michael Thomas is doubtful for mini camps. So, like, yeah, I know we're still ahead of the season and it's just mini camps, but like. I don't know, man. You've had like two years to recover from whatever the hell this ailment is. And unless your limb actually fell off and got surgically reimplanted, it shouldn't take this long. I mean, hell, Alex Smith came back and played in an NFL game before you have. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a good one. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Wow. The guy nearly lost his leg and came back and played in an NFL game before Michael Thomas's pansy little foot injury can be fixed. As I'm and saying, it was supposed to be like three weeks, and it's been a year and a half now. I don't know what the yeah. hell with him. I just don't think he wants to play in New Orleans. How about this? Remember when we were, like, all about his health? Like, damn, what's going on with his health? And then he, like, comes back, and then he gets suspended from picking a fight with his teammate, like getting into a fist fight. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, that That just, yeah, I'm going to stay away from there. And I'm going to look in this ADP area and see some of the players, like Robert Woods, Garrett Wilson, even Sky Moore going a little bit further down, some of the wide receivers being drafted by him. I'll stay in that area, but to put this whole thing into a full, broader scheme, wide receiver is deep. And don't think just because you're going to hear everybody talking about it, wide receivers moving up draft boards, you still stick with your strategy. Can I bring up one more before we move on? Because I'm curious, I want your guys' opinion on this one. Because everyone I feel like has a has you know very feel strongly about this one. Gabe Davis at his ADP. I'd love to hear what you two have. Bro, that's what's his ADP right now. That's it's like it's it's like fifth or sixth round, right? Here I'm looking it up right now. He's right now at 65 on that same ADP chart that I was talking to you about before. He's at 65, so in 12-team leagues, that's, that's, that's six round. Six round. Yeah, essentially. I don't know, man. I have not decided on this yet. I, I feel like the helium on him is going to be so massive that by the time August hits, we're going to have to make a fourth, fifth round decision on him. I'm out there. I'm at probably at six. 
I mean, that's got to be the same around for Robert Woods and, and Juju and all these guys, right? Matt Sells is having a brain moment right now. <laughs> I can tell. Matt Sells knows so much about stats, and he's got his hands on his heads. I'm seeing him through the video right now. He is right now at a stopping point in his thought process because he <laughs> stumped. I can tell you stumped him, Ryan. I don't think I would take Gabe Davis at a six-round ADP. Uh there are so many other wide receivers that I feel like I could trust or take the Money, risk on. Can I give you some? Can I give sure. you some? Yeah, who's going around him? All right. Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy both being drafted right around him. With Russell Wilson now at quarterback? Okay. But that but that division is just a slaughterhouse defensively. Juju on this chart, by the way, being drafted after Gabe Davis, so he's right there. What about Brandon Cooks? Um, I love Brandon Cooks. I would take year. Cooks and Juju over Gabe Davis. And I assume Juju as well for you, Cell, since you were talking about how low his ADP is? Yeah, I would take Juju and Brandon Cooks over Gabe what Davis. What about you, Ryan, on Juju? I'm still, I don't know. I don't, you're right. Someone has to do something. I, I don't the know. The only reason he didn't do anything in Pittsburgh the last, well, last year he was injured, missed basically the whole year, right? A couple years he's been injured. That's my concern. Right, but. And also, pay, I, I, you know, I know Tyreek Hill's gone, but, and this is why I'm also a little scary on, uh, on Sky. It's just like McCall Hardman was supposed to be the greatest thing ever. The guy isn't at 45 catches a year. I don't know. I don't well, know if that Kansas City is. I don't know if Kansas State's going to be as offensively powerful as they've been in the past. I got two more on this list. And I don't know about these two. I don't probably not. Darnell Mooney and Elijah Moore. I mean, I think they're both good picks in this area. They're all, they're the all reasonable. Is like, right. If you're looking at those three, you have to take Gabe Davis because you have to trust Josh Allen more than you trust Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, right? Right. Yep. I think I'm taking Mooney of those three. I just, I just, I feel more confident in his role. Uh, I, I well, agree. Well, somebody else to throw to is his role. Yeah, I understand that. And Fields, <laughs> you know, and I was as critical on Fields last year as anybody, uh, but he still produced pretty well. I know he had he had a rough patch, but I don't that know. That was the I, argument for Allen Robinson too, and that didn't. Exactly. No, work out. Rashad Bateman's being drafted around him too, which I mean, I feel like you got to go Bateman in this situation. I don't know. The thing with Davis is the I don't, like, I is, don't like, I don't like Lamar Jackson. I'm sorry. I know he's very good for fantasy because you get the rushing yards, but in terms of re- relying on him for wide receivers, I don't like Lamar Jackson at all. Well, I he, think he's he, Michael Vick 2.0. He puts up quarterback in the USFL kind of numbers, 87 yards faster. <laughs> he just does, like, that's the thing with Jalen Hurts. Everybody loves him because you get the rushing yards. Right, but Jalen Hurts can't throw a football. I'm right. sorry. Lamar Jackson can't throw half the routes you need in an NFL tree. I know he won an MVP. I got it. But they also use six running backs to keep everybody off balance and then leave their wide receivers wide the hell open. I'll tell you this. I'll look, speaking of the Ravens, J.K. Dobbins. I know he's coming off health issues. I'm looking at him. Yeah. If, I'm, if I keep reading reports that they're going to be running more and stuff and using 2019-like offense and making comparisons there, if that's what I keep reading all summer, 
I'm going to want to take this guy, and everybody else is going to move him up the draft boards too by August. Yeah, I'm fine with Dobbins. I'm fine with Mark Andrews. I do not like the wide receivers. If I see Bateman, though, going at 80, I I can't imagine he's going to stay at 80. But let's just say he goes to put him up 20 spots, 60, and I'm sitting there early in the sixth round. I would fire him. I would fire up on him. I project I'll have at least two receivers at that point in most of my drafts. So if he's my third starting wide receiver or flex to bench, I much rather take the risk on him then. I don't know. I I honestly I honestly don't know. Because if we look last year at the Ravens leading receivers, Mark Andrews had 1361 yards. Okay, great. Tight end. Marquise Brown, who's no longer with the team, had 1008 yards. On 91 catches. So they're all That's good. I mean, it's 11 yards a catch. It's, it's He's still at over 1,000 yards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But then you go to Bateman and Sammy Watkins and whatever. No, barely any of them cracked 500 yards. Right. And I just don't. I just don't trust Lamar Jackson's passing. I just don't. I might be in the minority in that one. I just, I watch him a lot, and I just can't get over. And by the way, in in 2020, nobody cracked a thousand yards. Nobody. Marquise Brown 769. Mark Andrews, the stud tight end, 700. Willie's need 432. So like, what? And if and by the way, if we're talking 2019 offense, like you brought up. Let's go take a look at what their leading well, receivers that, that are doing. towards the run game, too. So In 2019, Mark that. Andrews was the leading receiver at 852. Marquise Brown at 584. Gotcha. So he you're not six, on- He couldn't have played 16 games with 584. Marquise Brown? Yeah, he had to miss time at 584. He played 14 games. He missed two games in 584. Dang. Mark Andrews Dang. played Dang. 15 and put up 852. Now they both yeah. had... Bateman and Gabe Davis, you're going to be hearing, we're going to be hearing about those names from family members and subscribers over and over and over again. I would take Gabe Davis over Bateman. Okay, I mean that's simply because I trust the quarterback more. Sure, that's fine. Yes, Josh Allen runs it a lot, but he also has a much better passing attack than Lamar Jackson does. All right, guys, let's hit the family table very quickly here. And and I'll make mine short and sweet because it's regarding the NBA Finals. I continue to put out content on DFSAlarm.com. I talk about it on the radio as well. Do the Boston Celtics have your attention now, okay? This whole no finals experience in 10-plus years versus the Warriors having win championships. Does Boston have your damn casual audience attention now? I've been watching this team since January. They've been the best team in basketball, best in depth, best defensive team, in my opinion, since January. This is no surprise that they're up two games to one in the NBA Finals. I know how dare we disrespect the Warriors. Well, the Celtics, great on both sides of the ball, even when they're not shooting well. You take three-point shooting out of both of these teams, the Warriors are 
screwed. And they better, if they're going to want to win this series, they better be hitting about 45 to 50% of their threes easily because that's their best bet because Boston is a much more complete team than them. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'll circle back to the beginning of the podcast. The Warriors are the Yankees. They're very good in the regular season. They can get you wins with half of the play in the regular season because ain't nobody care about defense in the regular season, right? When it comes to the postseason, if you can stop the Warriors' three-point shooting, you can beat them, right? They can't. They don't have bigs down low to score in the paint. They're not a very solid defensive team from what I've watched. The Celtics can do a little bit of everything, and they do it well enough that if they have an off night in one spot, they can make up for it in other spots. That's why the Warriors are the Yankees. Are they very good at scoring right now? Yeah, but if you stop them from hitting homers, the Yankees can't win ball games. Right. So Celtics in six or seven. I, I wanted to say six on the radio. I ended up going seven because I, I was freaked out a little bit about how What's they the are. Next game? The next game is actually tonight, Friday night, game four. I'm going Celtics in five. Wow. Wow. Wow, I mean, look, it's in Boston, and the Celtics are hella good on the road, too. So Steph Curry have, might not be 100%. Yeah, Curry might. I mean, he's not going to be restricted tonight. We know that. But he'll have a limitless ceiling when it comes to shots. But if his shot is impacted by the pain in his foot, he's going to be in more decoy mode and could still maybe make it up a little bit when it comes to assists. That scoring drops, though, overall, Warriors are not winning. They need him to score. He's had to score at least 29 points to keep the Warriors in this series in every game. That doesn't happen. They're not winning. And I don't know why people were shocked and freaking out took the Celtics. All right, let's go to you, Cells. What, what are you bringing to the family table this week? Uh, you shouldn't get so wrapped up in your sports teams that you wind up getting arrested for assault. Agreed. Um, there's some schmuck from Staten Island. Keeps giving Staten Island a bad name in the boroughs. Uh, apparently got so wrapped up in the fact that the Rangers lost on Thursday night that he punched a Lightning fan while leaving the game and not, like, decked him cold. Like, sucker punched him. Guy didn't see it coming. One punch, dude hit the floor. Like, if you watch the video, you can hear the dude's head hit the floor of the the walkways there at MSG. Uh, he's now been arrested. Faces, I don't know, five, six charges, I think. Look, it's fine to be passionate about your team. That's why you're called a fan, right? Fine to spend money, go to the games, whatnot. But if you're going to do that kind of stuff, shouldn't you, you just shouldn't go. I'm sorry. Like, there's no excuse to get so wrapped up that you can't deal with a little bit of razzing from a team. Like, the lightning guy in the video, I can't even tell what he said, but he barely opens his mouth before the guy decks him. So, like, I get it. You're bummed the Rangers lost on home ice. Does it suck? Yeah, but as a Rangers fan, you should probably be used to it by now. <laughs> so, like, we don't need any of these, like, what, Brian, was it Brian Stowe? The Giants-Dodgers thing from, like, a decade ago? When, when the guy got put into the coma, I think it was Brian Stowe, I think was his name. We don't need any of this. Look, we lost sports for two for like a year and a half. We gotta act better when we're in public. I'm not even talking about the the, the Celtics fans chanting "f whatever." It it because that's just you're really gonna complain about that. I mean, 
But violence, man, you can't sucker punch people. Sorry, that that's a no go. No need, no need. Just go and enjoy the game. Your team loses, it sucks, but it happens sometimes. And if you can't handle the booze factor of it, just don't drink. Have a soda. It's not bad. I love soda. Right? I Why team loses everything. That I much? Go. What's that? Why are you going to spend that I much money and then wind up in jail? Yeah, right. You're, That's team, what he about. He just, you're a Cardinals fan. Every you're time t- I go, they lose. Oh, my God. You don't That's, think he's punching out Mets fans. That's no. true. And I go no. in full car. I go jersey, hat. I go the whole, you know, full. I'm not hiding who I'm rooting for. Are you trash talking, though, the fans around No. Me? No, yeah. I will. If there's other Cardinal fans around me, I will high five them. And I did. But yeah, I, of I'm not. No, no, I won't. I, I totally think that's cool. That's a way to support. I mean, you've got when you're especially, you know, me being in the D.C. area, not rooting for the D.C. teams. The Mets are in town and the Mets fans are there. I think that's totally cool. You guys are high fiving each other and stuff in the crowd. I'll say I don't know if I would go to Yankee Stadium in all that. But the City Field, it's a different. It's definitely oh my God! Different. I used to wear. I used to wear because Ken Griffey Jr. is my favorite baseball player ever. I used to wear Mariners gear and go to Yankee Stadium, and my dad would be all like afraid a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't Griffey Senior play for the Yankees? So that shouldn't be that big of a thing. Yes, but that's actually the reason why Griffey Jr. would never play for the Yankees. Right. I'm just saying, like, it's not like. Right, not like going to Fenway and wearing a Red Sox jersey, or like going to Fenway and wearing an A Rod jersey when they almost wound up with A Rod until they didn't, and then he went to their arch rivals. Right, like, like I've been to a Caps Penguins game and it doesn't get violent. Like, there's razzing, but like nobody gets punched out. Come on, man. Right. Yeah, I don't think I get punched at Yankee Stadium, but I could get beer tossed on me or something like that. So I, the Cardinals don't really ever play it's the Yankees anyway. Beer. But, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It was. I'm not throwing beer. That's. <laughs> they were fifteen bucks a pop at City Field. Ugh. Yeah. What are you bringing to the table besides expensive beer? Ah, oh, I would love to bring more expensive beer to the family table. Uh, I guess uh, just going to step away from the family table for a couple weeks because I'll be traveling to Italy uh, next week. So you guys have fun without me, and of course when I come back, I can't stop doing my my game. So Big Brother. Starts on July 8th, as long as the challenge, USA, which is going to have uh, Big Brother, Survivor, Love Island, and Amazing Race people on it. So this is going to be our first foray into the challenge, Fantasy the Challenge. So anyone wants to play, you know how to find me on Twitter. Are you going to eat pasta? Oh, God, yes. Pasta, bread, and all the wine we can find. Oh, that's going to be great. Well, you enjoy that, Ryan. Hard work, definitely deserving of the vacation to Italy. So Sells is going to be stuck with me. Maybe we'll bring on another family member as well and chat them up about everything going on after a wild week in sports. Give Matt Sells a follow at the Salesman on Twitter. Give Ryan Hallam a follow at Fighting Chance. You can give me a follow at Fenty Sports. All together, we'll win as a family because a family that sticks together wins together.